Hey friends, welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you're here today. Well, my guest, attorney Melissa Coleman, and I are going to have an important conversation. We're going to talk about dealing with our past hurts. She is going to walk us through a mercy trial today. I can't wait for that. But first, for a few weeks now, we've been talking about our Sibling Conflict online course. It teaches the easy-to-remember four-step peace process that your whole family can learn and walk through during conflict. If you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you maybe saw the post that went a little bit crazy for us, which talked about how normal sibling conflict is and then some steps and things you can do about it. Well, if you haven't tapped over to our website to check out that course, Sibling Conflict from Bickering to Bonding, feel free to do that. You can even just tap through to our show notes and you'll get a link for that. Well, today's podcast is a perfect sequel to the conversation that Jim, Lynn, and I had, which dropped last week on the value of restoration. If you've not listened to it, please do. It's episode 140. We talked about how sin breaks connection between us and God, and it really is only Jesus dying on the cross to pay for that debt of our sin that brings us back into right relationship with him. We also talked about how our sin also breaks our relationships with one another, but because we believe in Jesus, we get abundant life. And part of that is restored relationships with each other. Okay. So can you hear how sibling conflict online course and this conversation about restored relationships weaves together? You know, in the online course, Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, she talks about how we as parents sometimes enter into our kids' conflict with our own baggage from our own past. She gave her own example, which was my big brother picked on me. I'm not going to let my older son pick on his sister. She talks about working through those things so that we can walk alongside each one of our kids free from the baggage of our past. Okay. So this is where it all intersects with our conversation today. Today's conversation is important. It's the what's going on in me work. And you all know that we spend a lot of time here because we want to be free from the baggage. And this is what we're led to with the Connected Families Parenting Framework. Okay, so let me introduce my guest. Melissa Coleman has been practicing law for 25 years. She's done extensive work in advancing human rights in both domestic and international arenas, as well as for advocating for the rights of citizens to freely exercise their religious beliefs in their public and professional lives. Melissa and her husband of 26 years have five fantastic kids, who I know, They are great. Three adults and two teens and a village of young people in their lives. What Melissa loves most in life is helping people get free and stay free. Mm -hmm. Melissa, welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) I'm excited for you to be here too. We have some of the same circles. Our kids have gone to the same school. A few of our kids have been on the same basketball team, but you know, it wasn't until I went to a leadership conference here in our state of Minnesota, you were doing a breakout that I heard about what God has been teaching you about getting free 
<laughs> walking through life without all the unnecessary weights and bondages. I found freedom through what you taught. And I'm really excited to have you here today and teach everyone else also. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to interview you about a mercy trial, which I thought was just like mind, like it just blew my mind. I thought it was so cool, especially because you're an attorney. And so just that connection, I don't know, felt really powerful to me, but let's just start off talking about mercy. I think that it's one of those words that people are like, yes, heard it. It's in the Bible. I know it's in sermons. So tell us about that biblical concept as we start today. Sure. I, don't, I think I was, when I was growing up, I heard somebody after I got saved, I heard somebody say the difference between grace and mercy is grace means God is giving us something that we don't deserve. And mercy is God is refraining from giving us punishment that we do deserve. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I've always had those concepts in my mind, but really I think it's important just to start out with the understanding that Jesus came to earth to pay for our sins, as well as for the sins of those who hurt us. He came so that people's sins are not counted against them. We remember when he was on the cross and, you know, he asked the Lord, don't count those sins against them. Stephen was being stoned to death. He said, God, don't count their sins against them. That's what mercy is, that our sins will not be counted against us. But mercy is something that has to be applied, I believe. Otherwise, it's like it just sits there unused, like a Christmas present that sits under the tree, you know, and never mm. gets opened or enjoyed. And I think it's important to understand that when someone hurts us, wounds us, that is a sin. And like all sin, it creates a debt and that debt has to be paid for, right? Now we can demand an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? That's the principles of justice. And I think that's what our flesh reaction for most of, maybe probably all of us would want is for that person to pay for what they did to us, right? That's that's our sense of, of justice. Our sense of justice, you know, wants to retain that sin against that person. But the Bible teaches us that if we demand justice of our offenders, God's going to use that same measure against us with respect to our sins. Matthew 18, and I think sometimes we dance around this, this reality because it seems pretty harsh, but I don't know any other way to interpret the Bible and all of its passages that, that say this. So I'll just reference Matthew 18, because that is mm -hmm. a crystal clear illustration of this principle, the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? If you recall that master was taking account of who owed him what, that he realized that one of his servants owed him 10,000 bags of gold, actually 200,000 years worth of wages, totally oh. unrepayable in anybody's land, right? Yeah. The master forgave that debt just like Jesus forgave our sin debt, a debt that we could never, ever, ever pay off. He erases it for all eternity. But if we act like the servant did in that mm -hmm. parable, you recall, he came upon a peer who only owed him a hundred silver coins, which was the equivalent of only a hundred days worth of wages. He refused wow. to cancel that debt or forgive that debt. As you know, in that parable, the servants told the master what happened. The master summoned that first servant whose debt of 200,000 years worth of wages, 10,000 bags of gold he had just forgiven. And he said, you're wicked. And he threw him into be tortured, tormented by the jailers. And this is where it gets very real. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Matthew 18 says that this is how we will be treated if we refuse to forgive our brother and sister from our heart. In James 2.13, it also says mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. So you know, I think we know this to be experientially true, even this side of heaven, when someone commits an injustice against us, 
when they wound us, when they offend us, we seethe. I mean, I don't think I'm the only one who seethes. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know, we rehearsed it over and over in our minds and it occupies our heart and our mind space and it diminishes our dignity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really a form of, of torment. And contrary to what some people believe, I don't believe that time heals any wound. I think that mm-hmm. time buries it. To be resurfaced by the enemy at a later time when he can pile it on with a new offense. But when we don't deal with injustices committed against us, we give the enemy access to us. Like inadvertently, we find ourselves like in relationship with the accuser against that person. And that gives him access to our hearts and minds to torment us with hurtful emotions, wounded pride, anger, resentment, fear, insecurity, and a whole bunch of other really ugly, unwanted, rotten fruit. That is, you know, probably saying too much, but you asked him, oh, what so is good. And it's, it's really about partnering with heaven to not count people's sins against them. And that yeah. is not a natural process that can be done of our own effort. For sure. And I feel like I get a stronger sense of what mercy is when I really understand the depth of my own sin. And, you know, for me, I was a pastor's kid, missionary kid. I got saved when I was little. At times, ask the Lord, show me the ugliness of my sin. Mm. I lived in this, you know, when (laughs) I can get a grasp of my, my own sin, I can understand that I could never repay to Jesus, mm-hmm. what I owe him. And so I love that. And, and that, that has helped me. That understanding has helped me be able to extend mercy and even walk through what you're going to be showing us today. So I love that. Wow. 200 years worth of wages. It's something we could have never, never, never repaid. 200,000, 200,000 200, years. Okay. <laughs> Just like infinite amount of ways. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just, yeah. Can't even count. Okay. So now we understand mercy. What is a mercy trial? You've taught it to mom's groups, the leadership conference that I was at, even retreats, men's group, churches, even corporate settings, Melissa. Can yeah. you tell us what happens and lead us through one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, when injustices and offenses are committed against us, we need to deal with them and not bury them. And as any good lawyer will tell you, you need to sue those offenders, Mm -hmm. but we're going to sue them not in the earthly courts, but in the heavenly courts. So, you know, as believers, as people who have benefited from Jesus's mercy for our own sins, we deal with these offenses in the spirit realm, which is a real transaction that takes place in the spirit realm and has impact on our souls on earth. And it has impact on the other person's soul and the atmosphere as well. And I'm not sure if we'll have time to get into that, but I've got some really rocking testimonies that, that illustrate that. But so there's some similarities and some key differences between earthly courts and heavenly courts. As in the earthly courts, we have to start by creating what we call in the, in the justice system, a charging document. So a defendant cannot be convicted or acquitted of any offense. It has not been specifically named. And so this step is really, really important. And I give people a little yellow legal pad. But I was at the workshop and Melissa hands everyone a little yellow legal pad. And I love it because on the outside, it says confidential and attorney client privilege. You know, everybody owns their own legal pad and the Holy Spirit is your lawyer, right? And so as I'm teaching people about this, I always have people tell me that names and memories start coming up and they start remembering these offenses. You've got to deal with this. You can't just keep bearing this. 
And so I tell them to flip open the first page and just write down every single name, right? And then at the end of the talk, we take, we say, okay, look at all those names and choose the worst offender. Which one like hurt you the worst? And you write their name on the top of the next page. And then we start with the charges. Okay. And so some charges may sound like you rejected me. You excluded me. You neglected me. You violated me. You abandoned me. You lied to me or you lied about me. You misused my trust. You stole from me. You falsely accused me. You took advantage of me. You stole my purity. You humiliated me. You damaged my reputation. These are the kinds of things that we write down. And the Holy Spirit is really good at helping us to really get at what exactly did they do. And so once the charging document is complete, we summons the offender to the heavenly courts where we charge them with every single offense. And once all the charges have been specifically named, then we are faced with choice. We can agree with the accuser and demand justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Or we can agree with Jesus and extend mercy to the perpetrator, even though they are justly accused, guilty, and deserving of punishment. And again, the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. Pause you there a second, Melissa, because when you say our choice is to either agree with the accuser or side with Jesus, say more about how that's agreeing with the accuser, because I feel like I was wrong. Say more about that. Right. So again, like what we first talked about, Stacey, is, you know, we, our flesh reaction is to retain those injustices committed against us and demand payment. Well, can pain ever really be made that makes us whole? Probably not. (laughs) But this is a process where we choose to relinquish our claim on those injustices and we transfer jurisdiction of that matter to Jesus to deal with that person. They're not off the hook. They still have to, they still have to have their sins forgiven by Jesus. Okay. Jesus is still going to deal with that person, but as it relates to us, it's no longer our claim anymore. We're transferring Mm -hmm. jurisdiction. We've relinquished our claim on that injustice. Mm -hmm. And we've said, okay, it's not mine anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so this is literally why Jesus came to die is to pay for the debts created by sin so that our sins wouldn't be counted against us. But the key is. He doesn't want us to count other people's sins against them either. Jesus gave us access to his mercy. I liken it to a mercy credit card. You know, he gives us a visa, right? So we can use his mercy to pay for the debts that are owed to us by others and other people's injustices committed against us. And when we release mercy where judgment is deserved, when we do this, we relinquish our claim on those injustices, which is the only way to heal and be set free and have a clean heart. And sometimes it's the only way to get out of relationship with people who don't deserve any more of our heart and mind space, mm-hmm. right? People who have hurt us or someone who we loved, and they're not the type of person that we want in our lives, but they yeah. are continuing to occupy our heart and mind space because we've been being tormented with those hurtful memories and, and hard emotions. And yeah. this is a way to cut the enemy's access to us off and get out of relationship with people who we don't deserve to be in our lives. Yeah, that's so good. I, it's the baggage that we talked about earlier. And then I even talked about it in the intro. You know, I use the example of we're talking a lot about our sibling conflict online course right now. And it's helping parents walk through the peace process. But sometimes we have our own baggage that we bring mm-hmm. into our kids' conflicts. And one of the examples that our founder Lynn used is that she was picked on by her big brother when she was little. And so she 
she would go into her kids' complex with, older son, you are not going to pick on your little sister because I remember what that felt like and I am not going to let that happen. And so she she talks about having to work through some of that stuff so that she can come without the baggage to fully support both of the kids. So we're talking about here, right? So you were you were just saying the charging document, and we might have that baggage from the memories from way back in the past of mm-hmm. being a six-year-old and your little brother or your big brother, you know, bullying you and whatever that looks like. And so what you just walked us through is start writing it out and let yes, the Holy Spirit write it out. help you remember the things that you're holding in your cells, really in your body and in your mind, write them out. And it legitimizes that reality that this was a wrong done to me. That's powerful because we just often feel like we're victim. And then the enemy, you know, starts sending messages like, well, you deserved it. Well, you're really Mm -hmm. not worth, you know, you're not really worthy to be treated better. And it gets all muddled with emotions. But when we start articulating what exactly are the charges, that's very powerful process, but then we can't stop there. So you asked me to, to share with you, like, what does a mercy trial look like? And I'll give you a, a real life example of a young wife and mom who shared that her husband early on in their marriage had had an affair and had cheated on her, which had happened some years ago. And she had actually come to me to talk to me about a friend's situation, but you know how the Holy Spirit kind of gives you a heads up sometimes that, you know, maybe there's something going on with you too. And so I asked her about it and She's like, no, I forgave him. I forgave him. I'm like, okay, well, how are things playing out in your relationship? And she's like, oh, I just am so suspicious all the time. I can't stop checking his phone and his GPS. And it's like, she couldn't let him out of jail. And and I said, well, do you, you know, I know that you have worked really hard to give him your forgiveness and your mercy, but there's a difference in releasing Jesus's mercy to pay for a sin. Okay. There's a difference. So I asked her, do you want to, do you want to do this? And she's like, you know, yeah, sure. So I just led her in a simple prayer. And that is on the, in the back of our little notebooks (laughs) that I give people some sample prayers, but it went, it went something like this. She said this, she said, loving father and righteous judge. I'm going to say Jack. I summoned Jack to the heavenly courts. Jack, I charge you with some of her charges were things like you violated our covenant. Mm -hmm. You stole my sense of security. You brought another woman into our marriage and exposed us both to unknown sexual diseases and spiritual darkness. You stole our children's sense of security. You violated their trust. And she had a a few other charges. So she named the charges against them, against Jack. She said, you are guilty of these charges and deserving of punishment. However, because Jesus chose to extend mercy to me for a debt that I could never repay, there's the 10,000 bags of gold. I choose to extend the same mercy to you for your offenses against me. Jesus, I ask that you not count Jack's sins against him. I break the power of condemnation off of you, Jack, and I declare you acquitted, forgiven, and free. I also break every tie I have had with the accuser against you, Jack. Enemy, you no longer have power over me and no legal right to torment me. I will not be lured back in by you or commit double jeopardy, which we can, we'll can we talk about later. I break off my relationship with you now against Jack for good. Father God, I now choose to partner with heaven, with you for Jack. And I ask that you bless him with every heavenly blessing. And then she prayed for her husband. Yeah. So she's choosing, instead of fighting against her husband, now she's fighting for him. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people I've met who have spent decades in counseling and suffering with heavy baggage of bitterness, of fear, of insecurity, of shame, 
But when they agree to relinquish their claim on those injustices that cause that torment and apply Jesus's powerful currency of mercy to pay for those debts, they can finally truly forgive and heal. And yeah, I've taught this to women's groups. I've taught it to men's groups, to even to my legal clients. I, I have church clients and I say to them, every time you hire someone, make sure that you lead them through mercy trials, because you know what? Otherwise they're going to bring the same baggage that caused them to leave their old church into this new church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to look, probably look like the perfect candidate, but that old junk is going to resurface if it's not yeah. dealt with. Yeah. I think that's good. I know, you know, in the notes from the seminar that you gave, you said something really powerful about naming this injustice. And you said when, when injustice is not addressed, so unaddressed injustice diminishes us. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so often we're like, oh, just get over it. It was little, it was not a big deal. It's some things are big and you need to deal with them. But I'm talking about the majority of I we sometimes hold. And so the freedom that comes with just saying, I was hurt. Yeah. This was not right. What happened to me is is really so freeing in and of itself. And um you know, you've talked about injustice. Really, the standard is Luke 6.31. You talked about it in that workshop for me. You said, do to others as we would have them do to you. That's the standard, Luke 6. Mm-hmm. Anything less is injustice. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about why it's important to acknowledge all of that. But I'm wondering if you could talk about personal sovereignty <laughs> and that whole idea as it relates to this. Yeah, sure. Well, let's first deal with the standard because it's a pretty high standard that Jesus sets out, right? For us to treat each other how the person that we're interacting with would want to be treated themselves. So that is a very high standard. I think in in our culture, we applaud the notion of toughness and having thick skin, you know, and, and we fail to understand that every sin demands a payment. That's a spiritual law. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much we act like we're not hurt by injustices committed against us, our dignity is diminished. And if we don't deal with injustices, the enemy uses those offenses to mess with us. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, we're to treat others as we would want them to treat us. So this is yeah. the standard that he articulated for yeah. our human interaction. But often we don't feel worthy to be treated according to the standard, right? How the person we're in- interacting with would want to be treated themselves. Or we become accustomed to not being treated according to the standard, but Mm. our God-given human dignity demands it. That's what Jesus said. So when someone treats us less than they themselves want to be treated, they are committing an injustice against us. Now, some injustices are small, but others are grave and life-changing. Yeah. I can remember just even praying with someone at church a few weeks ago, and it was just, he hurt me. He hurt me, but I just can't get over it. I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to get over it. You know, I just want to move past it. And how do I know I've forgiven? And so this concept of naming it, it was not right. I'm writing it down because I am a child of God. Like I am a sovereign person. And then I can take that injustice to court in the way that you've you've showed us. So we've all done our best to try to forgive someone. And sometimes there's serious offenses, or I know, as you say, Melissa, you say a grave injustice. And even though we try our best, if we're truly being honest, we have to admit 
that we haven't really fully forgiven that person in our hearts. Despite our very best efforts, mm-hmm. we try and try. Do I know I've forgiven? Have I forgiven? I, I've asked myself that question. So what do you say to that person? Like you and probably every other human alive, I'm just not good enough of a person to be able to forgive some injustices. They just cut too deep into my humanity. My test is if I can truly pray for that person from my heart with a clean heart and desire their best. If when I see them or hear their name, if I have any ill will or a little twinge in my heart, it's not a clean slate, you know, but I know that I can get maybe 80% there, but there's still that residue. And, and I just went to the Lord and I said, I'm not good enough of a person to do this. And he said, yeah, I know. That's why I gave (laughs) you access to my mercy. Right. I believe there is a difference a massive difference in the value of our mercy, which is sin soiled and Jesus's mercy, which Mm -hmm. has no spot stain or blemish and which is powerful enough to pay for every single debt. So when I just can't fully forgive from my heart, which is what the Bible requires of me, 8% doesn't get us there, right? I have to utilize Jesus's powerful currency of mercy to pay for those grave injustices. You know, I often joke that my mercy is probably valuable enough to pay for the debt created by the guy who cut me off on the road and flipped me off. <laughs> yeah. but much more than that, I have to use Jesus's mercy purchased by his innocent blood. And that is why this is a heavenly transaction. You know, when we look at our offenders and say, I just can't forgive that person. Jesus is like, Hey, remember you were holding a debt of 10,000 bags of gold compared to what you owed me. This person really only owes you a hundred silver coins. Yeah, yeah. So fix your eyes on what I did for you. And that will give you the ability to relinquish your claim on those injustices and allow my mercy to pay for those debts mm-hmm. and give it to me to deal with that person. We are a listener supported organization. Over 50,000 parents like you listen to the podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.